Hello and welcome into the Nittany Gritty, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. I am your host, John Sauber, the Penn State men's basketball and football beat writer at the Senate Daily Times. I am joined by Penn State legend Tim Frazier. Tim, how's it going? Man, it's going well, John. How about yourself, man? Uh, I think you know the answer to that. Still dealing with the jet <laughs> lag from Los Angeles, of course, being out there for the Rose Bowl. Like, listen, I, I have a bad sleep schedule anyways, right? Like, I go to bed at like 3 a.m. Eastern time. Well, I was going to bed at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Pacific time. So now I'm getting home and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. And the sun's coming up and I'm like, I should probably fall asleep sometime soon here. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. But at the end of the day, shout out to the football team. You know, much needed. Great win. Finish the season for them. Um, I think that just kind of transitions. Hopefully it transitions to the fans being on such a high note that they start coming to more basketball games and the basketball team doing well. As, and... um It'll keep growing our, you know, our Penn State family in the sports world. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there is no excuse now, right? Like, yeah. during football season, especially with a 10-win team, right? This is, you know this, this is a, a football university, but that's over now. It's early January. The basketball team is good, right? They have a reason to go and watch. Um, the Bryce Jordan Center should, you know, shouldn't be full. Like we've, we, you and I have talked about this in the past. Anyone who goes to games knows this. Like that place never going to be full. They curtain it off for a reason. But like, it should be loud, right? Like, and there's some big games coming up. You know, this is a, uh, this is a good time to try and learn about this team, right? If you're just a Penn State football fan trying to get into it, this is the time to go figure out what this team's like and enjoy it because, you know, they're going to compete. Right? This is going to be a team that competes all season. I think they're going to be in pretty much every game they play, uh, which. You know, it's pretty much all you can ask for at a university, whereas, you know, like it's been a decade since the NCAA tournament happened. You yeah. were there when it happened, right? That's yeah. how long ago yeah. it was. Since then, you've carved out an NBA career. You're in Greece playing currently, right? Like it has been a while. Like things have happened. I was in high school. Like this was this was not exactly yesterday that they last went to the NCAA tournament. But there's a real shot they do it now, and that's reason to go. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up my age, man. But I'm showing how old I am. But it is crazy that, we, that you that – you, <laughs> That you mentioned that because I was sitting there talking in Greece. We had practice. We were talking, um, you know, the players were talking about. We had a guy on our team went to North Carolina, a guy on our team went to Oklahoma State. So, you know, we talk banner with with every team, with each team, you know, and they're talking about, man, I'm like, guys, man, I was in college 10 years ago. Things have changed, you know, players are getting paid now. <laughs> like, it's a whole different, whole different <laughs> ball game from when I was in school and we were still eating at the, at the, uh, Nittany Hall, you know, so, but, um, well, and it's, that's what, like we we had uh, this media day where we could talk to like all the whole roster when we were out in Los Angeles, so we could talk mm-hmm. to the freshmen, right? And like they're talking about Rose Bowls they remember, and one of them brings up like the Vince Young Rose Bowl against USC, oh, and I was like, and I like someone followed up and was like, "Did you actually watch that?" Like, no, I saw highlights because I was only four years old when it happened. <laughs> I was like, "Don't say that! Like, don't don't do that to me! I'm standing right here! Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to do that." Props to Houston legend Vince Young, man. I saw him in high school when I was in middle school, and then him going to Texas and being that. And, and Vince Young was amazing. I wish he had a better pro career, but you know, obviously his career was still his career. So, yeah, no, I I grew up on Vince Young, right? I had mm-hmm. uh, I had a uh, Texas beanie. I grew up a Texas football fan because of mm-hmm. Vince Young. I was like. I, I think it was 10 that, that year, 2005. Listen, yeah. Matt's hard. There's a reason I do words and not numbers, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna dive too far into that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we can get into a, a little bit more j- to mm-hmm. get back to the men's basketball team because of how well they're playing. We're going to dive into some of the X's and O's here, right? Yeah. Uh, these last two games for Penn State, 
uh, a, a, you know, a, I don't want to say topsy-turvy because it kind of was the exalt that we probably expected, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is, you and I talk about all the time, people talk about all the time. It's really hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. So realistically, Penn State should have gone one and one against Iowa at home and Michigan on the road, and they did. So you can't complain a ton. But, you know, let's start out here with Iowa, a team that uh, is not as good as it always is, right, The, the as the program always is, but mm-hmm. still lights it up. Right, they can score as well as any in the country. Uh, what stood out to you from that game and how Penn State played in it? And it, it, for for what it's worth, an eighty three seventy nine win for Penn State at the Bryce Jordan Center. Uh, I will say I don't think it was the, their best game, but I think it was a solid game throughout the whole game. And and that was something that I took away from you know that specific against Iowa that you know they didn't play the best. They weren't you know shoot lights out. Everything was crazy. They were on a run and just blow the team out the water. But they were consistent throughout the whole game. From from the, from the jump ball to the end, you know they made a run. Iowa made a run. They answered the run every time. Iowa tired to get back. Man, uh, Penn State was able to stop it. Guys made big shots. Pickett played well. Obviously, you know as he as he has been, and, and he kind of dominated the game as far as the pace goes, knowing when to take, when to score, when to slow down, when to get to the foul line. So I, I think that was the biggest thing that I think they played a solid game throughout the whole game to to take them over the edge and 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 obviously get a win. And you know, we obviously this is not the Iowa that we that we remember in the past, but it's always they're always a tough team, just their style of play because they've always got a big man that's always huge down low, and um, that has been a weakness for Penn State so far. You know, is the big man. So I think that Penn State did a gr- great job sticking to their game plan and uh, finishing throughout from the top to the, from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point with uh, it being uh, sort of close throughout, and, it, and basketball's game of runs. Everyone knows this. Yes. I'm not like breaking mm-hmm. any news there. But with, you know, the, the, it goes to halftime and Penn State's up 18 and people are, you know, it, I think the, the sentiment on the outside was like, oh, this is a dominating Penn State, you know, win on the way. Like, no, it was just kind of like where it was at in the flow of it, right? Like, Iowa was always going to respond because they're so good offensively because Chris Murray is so good, right? He's going yeah. to play in the NBA. That was one thing, you know, Micah Shrewsbury said in the post game. He said he can't wait to see where he goes in the first round this year, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the expectation. His twin brother Keegan, of course, playing for yep. the Kinks now, like, it is going to happen. He plays all 40 minutes, by the way. So that mm-hmm. you know shows you how important he is. Uh, the, the main thing you said, though, Jalen Pickett controlling the pace. How often do you think we're going to say that this year? Because that feels like it has been a thing all season. It's going to be a thing all season. And against Iowa, like he just felt under control, right? Yep. It never felt like it got away from him. Even when the score would, would get close and they would make a run, it never felt like it got away from Pickett. Yeah, and we're going to be saying that every game, in every game, especially every game that they win, because for them to win, Pickett has to play well, and not necessarily a scoring scoring role, but he has to play well as far as like you said, have you been saying it's about controlling the pace, getting guys involved, rebounding, playing defense as well. Man, he like you said, he's a he's a he's a bigger guard, bigger point guard than normal. Being able to back guys in the post, being able to not necessarily score at the time, being able to kick out to the shooters on the outside. For every game that Penn State wins, and hopefully it's gonna, it will be many. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on it. Is that he has to control the game, control the pace, and obviously play well. You know, and he doesn't have to go out and do what he did tonight with the 27 or that night 27 and seven. But you know, he has to do a good job of being able to get everybody involved as well as controlling the game. 
Yeah, and of late, it has been the scoring, right? Like, it's yes. 26 against Iowa, 26 against Michigan. Uh, and he just kind of gets wherever he wants. And, and I know Iowa doesn't have a great defense, right? Like, this is always going to be an offense first team. Uh, but he still kind of got wherever he wanted and was able to do whatever he wanted. And, and that's going to be important because, like you said, it's not just about him, right? It's about him getting his looks, the defense having to react to him, and then, mm-hmm. you know, them collapsing down from the wing, guys getting open shots. They have shooters around him. Like, this is... You know, Iowa to me was like the quintessential, like this is what it looks like when it's at its best for Penn State's offense. It's yeah. picket scoring, it's them reacting, and it's him distributing the guys along the perimeter and, and Iowa not kind of having an answer to that and not mm-hmm. being able to do anything. Now, that being said, it got a little nervy down the stretch, right? Like it's 81-79, uh, and, you know, Iowa has the ball. Seth Lundy made a great play to rip the ball away and, and get in transition uh, and, and, you know, and pretty much end it there. But, like, yeah, that was that was a that's the kind of play, by the way. And you know, people who followed Lundy, you know, he was a Roman Catholic kid out of high school. There were some expectations because of Lamar Stevens also mm-hmm. going to the school when they were teammates there and everything. He saw some expectations on both ends of the court that were probably unfair when he got to Penn State. But that play is like how far he's come, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this is a guy who is an offense only guy his first couple of years. And the last two years, he's become one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. Like that's mm-hmm. you can speak to this more than I can because well, I haven't played uh, Division One college basketball, but that's not an easy play when a guy's on the move and to rip it that cleanly and not get mm-hmm. called for the foul, especially in the Big Ten where yeah. fouls get called a lot. Like that was really impressive. Yeah, man. Props to him uh, for sure. You know, it's one of the big time steals and especially saved the game. You know, not saying that I would have made a, have made a score, but to, don't even give him a, a chance to put the ball on the rim is huge. And for him to get his hand in there and have the knack to know when, where the ball is at, when to, when to get, get in there and not get the foul, man. I think a lot of that goes, too, is that he has established himself as a, as a, as a big-time defender in the Big Ten because that gives those refs a little bit more leeway to say, hey, man, he got that clean. Maybe even when he would have did it, you know, his freshman year or his sophomore year, they might have been called a foul. But watching it, watching him play, I think he got it clean. And, you know, I mean, that's huge defensive stop. And you're going to need that later on down the road when you have guys that we have to get a stop to win. And we need all five guys on the court to be locked in, slap the floor and be ready to get a stop, get a rebound for us to win the game. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they they kind of needed that defense last night. We're recording here on Thursday. Mm-hmm. against Michigan, right? They needed uh, better defense, frankly, from everyone around the perimeter. Penn State lose the game 79-69 to 69, uh, in a game that, I don't know about you, like it, it felt weird, right? Like it every time Penn State cut it close, it kind of felt like Michigan kind of had some control still, right? Like it never felt like it was out of Michigan's grasp. Uh, the, the big thing here, I think, is going to be Hunter Dickinson, right? Like he's seven mm-hmm. foot one. You, you mentioned earlier, Penn State doesn't have much size. They don't really have an answer to that. They went small to try and combat it. And, and honestly, like, I don't know how you feel about it. I thought it worked, right? Like, they got him trying to defend on the perimeter. They beat him off the bounce a few times. They pulled him away from the rim on defense. On the other end of the court, it was a bit of a problem because he was 7-1 and uh, Miles Dredd is 6-4. And it worked out one time when he accidentally elbowed him in the face because he threw an elbow where a guy's mm-hmm. chest would usually be that's guarding him. And it was Miles' face right there. Face. Uh, but, you know, I think that that was the end of the court that was more concerning, uh, you know, and – Kind of gave him a few too many good looks down the stretch. Although I will say in the first half, I thought it was it was much better when he was like three of seven from the field in the first half and couldn't really get going. Yeah, and I think you gotta you're gonna play that game, and I think Coach knows that with his with his team right now this season that he's gonna have to play that 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 mind game against the other team, and uh, hopefully you know he's thinking that his players would the players will be able to knock down enough threes to where 
the other coach feels that they have to take their big man out. But obviously, Hunter Dickinson was able to combat some of that stuff. And, I mean, you know, we didn't make the threes that we needed to make to get him off the floor. But he was able to, you know, dominate on the end. And in a, a law of averages, too, threes are better than twos. So, you know, coach is going to go ahead and he's going to shoot. He's going to tell those guys, shoot those threes, shoot those threes. And and hopefully, you know, I mean, Hunter Dickinson is only going on the under end making twos. But I will say, man, I... I I, I thought, you know, coming off the win in per, uh, against Iowa, I thought the team was going to come in with a little bit more fire. You know, I wanted that. I wanted them to jump on this game and be like, hey, man, this is, a, this is another big road test for us. We just got Illinois, you know, and, you know, uh, two weeks ago. And we wanted to come out now, man. We really can set the tone and set the pace of saying, hey, this team is here. You know, I guess another Michigan team that was ranked early in the year. And um, I, I, I wanted them to jump out and, and, and kind of show that same tenacity that they had against Illinois, but you kind of didn't see it. I don't know if it was, you know, the, the Christmas break or the New Year's or, or whatever it might have been that was a little slow, but I thought I wanted a little more from the team. But um, And you can see that, you know, when, you, when, when you're going on the road uh, in those environments where you need to be able to be on your best at least close to your best game to get a win. Uh, you got to have that from from everybody from top to bottom, not not necessarily just your best player. Yeah, and, you know, to go back to the shooting a bit, when uh, Andrew Funk and Mosred combined to make two of their 12 attempts from three, probably not going to win many games, right? Like, those guys just got to hit more shots for Penn State to win. You nailed it. They're going to try and hit threes while you're hitting twos, and the math says that that should work out for them. Uh, but basketball, there's a game of there's there's a part of randomness to the game, right? Like mm-hmm. where you know you're just going to go cold sometimes, you're just going to get really hot sometimes. And Michigan was a more efficient team last night. They averaged I think 1.3 points per possession. Penn State was around 1.1, and like that's the battle Penn State's trying to win. Right? Yeah. It's not they're not trying to be you know at the rim more than you. They're not even necessarily trying to make more threes than you. That's how they're going to get there, right? So they technically are. But the real goal is being more efficient than you, and that mm-hmm. comes at the rim. That comes with pickets like. 14-footers that he takes, Funk's step-in 14-footers coming off screens. like That's how they're going to try and do that. And last night they didn't, and and they're just not going to win those games, right? especially yeah. when it's .2 points is the difference there. That's just too much for them to overcome. Uh, credit words do, though. I think you're right. I think they came in kind of sleepy, and maybe you know this was the first matchup with a real big they were facing, and I think they were a little too aware of that, right? Like too yeah. focused and hyper-fixated on like, okay, this is the battle for tonight. We have to figure this out. This is a big test for that reason. And kind of didn't have the juice off the bat. Um, and, and I think that was a bit of an issue. But credit to them. They kept coming back in the second half. Michigan yeah. kept pulling away. They kept coming back. And ultimately, in the last like minute and a half, that wasn't the case. But for a game that, like I said, it felt like Michigan had in hand, Penn State was in it. And, and I think that says a lot about you know how far the program has come. Because you've seen these games in the past. I've seen these games in the past. Usually it's a 30 point differential, right? Yeah. Like it's not 10 points at the end of the game. Like when you're getting, when you're struggling with a big like that, you're not hitting your shots to losing by 30. So I think even the, the, you know, the, the margin of victory for Michigan says a lot about where Penn State is compared to they were, you know, five, six years ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cause one thing Coach said, Coach Shrewsbury said with this team is that they're going to fight no matter what the score is, you know, no matter if they're up by 20 or they're down by 20, they're going to fight. And you can see that, like you said, they were never, even though they were getting down and it seemed like the shots weren't falling and the big was, was killing them on the other end, they still fought. They still felt like they were in the game. They still was like, hey, if we hit the next one, we hit the next one, we'll be, we can cut it down to 10, we can be right there. And, you know, that's just a credit of what the team is and what the, the culture is around Penn State basketball. Uh, as far as the guys, these guys are going to fight no matter what the score, no matter what the time left on the, to the end of the, no, no matter what time is left on to the end of the clock, to the end of the buzzer. So, 
like you said, man, this, this, the culture has changed in, in a lot of ways from, you know, before, you know, I was in there just in general for Penn State basketball. The, every team is going to fight. It's going to continue to go until the buzzer sounds. Yeah. And, and you know, there is a, I think there's a camaraderie that comes with that, right? Like these guys are fighting for each other too. It's not yeah. just like you're doing it for yourself. Like they're in it together. Uh, and that's a credit to the culture that, that Micah has built as, as the head coach. And I, I think it was, it was very funny. I don't know if you saw it last night. Penn State got a bench warning, right, on Mike Fairley. Uh, and mm-hmm. I knew it was, a, you know, uh, Fairley is a very energetic assistant coach. As soon as I called the bench warning, I knew who it was going to be on because I knew this game was his scout. And I knew, like, he is – so when they played uh, a non-conference game against Quinnipiac, I sat behind the bench, right, and, like, he is on the court. Like, it is six on five when it's at the other end of the floor. So he is right. there, and he's, you know, uh, very much involved. So I knew it was going to be on him. They call the bench warning, uh, and then they show the replay later. And, of course, it's fairly, like, you know, out on the court, like, yelling and hurries mm-hmm. up and goes back. But I don't know if you saw later, Shrewsbury calls a timeout or goes to media timeout or something, and guys started coming off the bench to, like, you know, hype up their teammates and everything. And Micah very jokingly, like, you know, like, ushers them back. He's like, no, 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 like, don't don't go out there. Like, And he was yeah. smiling and laughing as he did it because he didn't want to come onto the court. And, like, to me, that's, like, some of the us-against-them mentality that you mm-hmm. need. When you're at Penn State, uh, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. Uh, Penn State hasn't gotten the calls for 50, whatever years, right? Like they just <laughs> mm-hmm. they just don't get the calls that other teams do. They don't get the home court advantage. Like it's always been the case. It's It's been a point of contention for head coaches for as long as I've covered the team under under Chambers. It was for Ferry. It, it is now for Shrewsbury. I don't think they say it publicly and for good reason. They will get fined. I will not. Uh, but it is... It has always been a thing, right, that they don't get those calls. So I think it's a good thing to have this kind of us-against-the-world mentality when you know, like, the hierarchy of the Big Ten is what it is, and, and you ain't at the top of it. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, you know, I was a part of it in my in my career at Penn State, and sometimes the whistle goes the other way against you. You know, and it could be clear as day, but, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody makes mistakes is what I would always say. I wouldn't want to be a referee, especially when I'm done playing. I don't want to be a referee because I think that's one of the hardest jobs there is. But – we didn't get the, a lot of calls, and I think a, Penn State basketball is not going to get certain calls until, you know what I mean, you have to earn it. You know what I mean? You have to win games. You have to show up every night. You have to make big-time wins and, and and win games on the road. But like you said, and like I've said before on, uh, in previous uh, podcasts with us, that when you go on the road, it's just you. You know what I mean? You're going to have the guys that are in the locker room with you. You might have a couple, maybe a player there is going to have his family there that he, he's from there or close by. So you're going there with 20 people and against an arena full of in Michigan, full of yellow, and, you know, and you got to go out there and believe that. It's almost like, you know, like the 300 movie. You know, you got to go out there and you got to believe that, hey, no matter what, we, we're going to go out there and fight against everybody and we're going to fight until we can't fight anymore. And I, I and I keep bringing this up, but I felt like the team did they did that against Illinois on the road. You know, what I mean, they did it. They came out. They believed. They were like, you know what, we're gonna punch them right in the mouth, and and that's exactly what they did. And they continued to punch throughout the whole game. So they can do it. This team can do it. The team can go on on the road and be be ranked team, be big name teams in a big team as well. So they can do it, and they they've got the blueprint to do it. And I think, like I said, I think this is New Year. It's just the Christmas break. Everything, man. They they came out a little slow against Michigan, and um. The good thing about basketball, you have another another game coming up, and you got to be able to bounce back from it. And they do have another game coming up, mm-hmm. right? And a pretty big one. Uh, probably the, the the biggest one they're going to have in, in a minute. They play uh, number one Purdue at the Palestra on Sunday. 
Uh, this is the ultimate test, right? Like Hunter Dickinson's a really good test for a you know a team that doesn't have a lot of bigs. You know what's a better test? A seven foot four center who doesn't move a lot but can just lay the ball up by reaching up and placing. <laughs> Right, like he is enormous. Zach Eady is one of the biggest basketball players that I've ever seen in person. Uh, I am listen. I'm not like small. I'm six foot two, and like I see basketball players. A lot of them are bigger than me. I see that dude, and I feel like a child. Right, like I feel mm-hmm. like he should hold my hand and walk me through a grocery store, and you know, and help me pick things out. It is. This is a a massive, massive human being, uh, and and they got to deal with that. Right, like that is not going to be easy. They're not going to get shots at the rim. They're not going to get uh, the looks that they want. You know, from in close, especially Pickett, because he's just going to be lurking. And I think this is a great test. The funniest thing about this matchup to me is, is Micah Shrewsbury has often said that they always seem to face teams right after teams lose, right? Like, so they're extra motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in Los Angeles, and I just happened to notice that Purdue lost to Rutgers right. <laughs> earlier this week. And I was like, man, the timing on that. Fortunately for Penn State, Purdue plays Ohio State tonight. So there's a chance for them to, like, take it out on the Buckeyes if that's the mm-hmm. case. Now, they lose again. Then you're in for a, a hornet's nest on Sunday. But I think that game is going to be, like, the test of all tests because Mike also knows that team better than anyone. Grady Eifert, who's on the Penn State staff, knows that team better than anyone. These guys should know what they're getting into. They're going to be well-prepared for Purdue, but they're also going to be dealing with the biggest test that they're going to face all season against uh, against the Boilermakers. It's going to be huge. And like you said, man, there's so many connections with just this matchup in general. You know, Purdue being a top-five team in the country, I'm sure they'll drop with the loss a little bit. Shrewsbury, his connection with Purdue. This whole matchup is going to be – just, it's just so much intensity, so many – Everybody's looked on it. I'm sure Pickett and all these guys have already circled this on the schedule. They've everybody's been looking at this. You know, this is gonna be the big matchup right here. Hey, we knock, we knock this team off. We beat them. This is gonna be. This is gonna put us on the map. And it will if it happens. You know, what I mean, people will start to. It'll get more traction. It'll get more attention. And you know, maybe even crack the top 25 with the win. You never know. But this game right here, everybody's already intensified it to make this such to make this is to be the biggest game of the year so far. And they have to go out and play like it. You know, the fans are going to be there. It's going to be a big game. You know what I mean? Their team is going to show up. Purdue's going to show up. Penn State has to show up. And it's going to be a clash of two great teams and figure out who comes out comes out on top. And you're going to need big games from, from Funk, Pickett, all those guys. And you're going to need a lot of – you're going to need your role players to step up as well. And like you said, we're going with somebody against a 7-4. We need to, we need those freshmen to be able to come in and be able to take some hits, take some fouls. If you want, I think I think, I think think um, EDSU maybe 70 two percent something for the free throw line and, and if we got to stop him from getting the easy two man we got to follow you know what i mean it's something you got to put him on the line and and just really just use everybody we have to use everybody's files everybody's bodies just to keep and wear him down and at the end of the day shrewsbury we got a uh, coach i'm sure he's going to tell her we're going to stick to our game plan we're going to run and gun we're going to shoot a lot of threes we're going to make him chase around we're going to make him guard ball screens we're going to make him help in the paint we're going to kick out for threes and at the end of the day, you got to have fun. You know what I mean? It's a game of basketball. You love it. You've been playing it all your life, man. You go out there and have fun, man. This is, this is what all the training in the summer, the summer summer session two, all this stuff is is really ready for it, and it's ready to pay off, man. You go out there and you play and you, and you have fun and you let the chips fall where they may. Well, oh, and I think it's interesting you mentioned, right, that, that they're going to play how they play regardless, Penn yeah. State is. And that is 
That is, I think, a, a pretty stark change under Micah Shrewsbury. They want to dictate the terms no matter how good they are. They want to make yeah. you play how they play no matter how good they are, no matter, no matter how good you are. They just mm -hmm. also happen to be really good this year, and they're also facing a really good team here. But the, the whole idea is to be the, the thermostat, not the thermometer, right? Like you set mm -hmm. the temperature. You aren't yeah. going to be the ones that just take the temperature. You're going to set it and dictate how this goes. And I think that's... That's how you beat a team that has a seven foot four center. Like this is uh, this is what it looks like when you when you have a small team and you face an enormous team. You spread mm -hmm. the court, you shoot, you make them make them de defend on the perimeter because part of being seven foot four is you're kind of slow and you don't move your feet so quick and right, you kind of right. can't really do anything once you get out on the perimeter. Penn State's disadvantage, right, is uh, this is a, not a shot at Jalen Pickett, but he is not, I don't know, Tim Frazier when it comes to foot speed or, or you know, his first step, right? He's a little bit slower, so he's not going <laughs> to necessarily beat guys off the dribble that way. But they do have guys that can do that, right? Like right. they've got Cam Winner who can do that. Even Andrew Funk, like you catch him coming off a screen, like he can get downhill on you and blow by you. They need to involve, to me, they need Edie to be involved in like every single ball screen. You need him moving, making decisions, exhausting him. Uh, they I, I, To go back to what they did against Michigan, because I think this is going to be even more effective against Purdue, using Evan Mahaffey in the ball screen, basically either as a ball handler or as a screener, I thought was brilliant. Right, yeah. Mahaffey is six foot seven. He's long. He can't really shoot that well, but he's the guy that that guy's going to be defending because he's the biggest guy out there and he's the less like the basically the, the worst shooter on the court. He's just kind of an average shooter and he needs his feet set and everything. But if you make Edie defend him on the perimeter and try and, you know, keep his feet going out there, we'll see what happened with Hunter Dickinson last night. You know, Dickinson got blown by a couple of times by Evan Mahaffey because he just had nothing he could do. You know, Mahaffey sets a ball screen, you know, for, for Jalen Pickett. Pickett hits a pocket pass as he's rolling to the rim. And then Mahaffey, or Mahaffey's by uh, Edie because he can't react quick enough, right? His feet right. can't move quick enough. So just to me, you got to involve that guy in basically every single action. Every second he's on the court has to be exhausting for him. And to me, that's kind of how you wear him out. And then defensively, like, then it's a little harder, right, for him to, to, to be right. a rim protector because he's tired from, uh, you know, doing everything uh, everything else defensively. And then on offense, he's even more tired, right? And he's not, like, he's catching maybe some of those, uh, th those passes in the post and he's just kind of lazily putting him up there because he doesn't have the energy for it. You just have to win those all those little battles to me to kind of set it up and make sure that you're in a position where you can, you know, compromise Edie in, in some way or form. Yeah, and like you said, man, I think to take away Edie and take away his strengths, you, you you wear him down, and you see it all the time in the you know, NBA, even now in Greece. Like, I've seen it. Teams would literally just pick me up full court and just literally just try to wear me down. To the, I remember my first couple of games over because you don't see <laughs> you don't see full court pressure since college, you know. And and I'm sitting there, I was like, man, what the, like what's the game plan? And the guy's like, man, we're just gonna file you and wear you down until you're too tired by the fourth quarter, you know. And, and and that's something that you know Penn State and Shrewsbury could use, you know what I mean? As well as you said, having a bigger ball handler out there. Uh, I think about it like when I was in Milwaukee with the Bucks, it was it was crazy. It was hard for us, and it was. I was setting the ball screens for Giannis, you know, and Giannis was coming off and, and it puts because point guards don't know how to really guard the ball screen and bigs don't really know how to get over the ball screen. So it, it was a it was a hard matchup for a lot of guys. Obviously, Giannis is great, you know, one and what he does. So he made the screens look better than what they were. But I see that as something that Shrewsbury can do as well to try to get this guy out to be able to have him have to guard ball screens as well and, and, and just slow him down as much as as much as you can. 
and I and I keep mentioning the pace. And the guys have to run. You got to make shots. I, I I got a I got a big game coming from Funk. I know Pickett is going to do what Pickett is going to do, but I think I've you know just seeing Funk throughout this year about him making big time shots in big games when they need it. I'm calling it right now. I'm, I'm calling Funk making a big time shot for us at the end of the game. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and add it to your resume now. Elite screener for Giannis, Tim Frazier. We can go ahead and log into the Wikipedia and add that there. Make sure the world knows that you are setting these nasty screens in the NBA. Well, But your point is a good one, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. if NBA centers and smalls don't know how to deal with ball screens when they're on the opposite side of it, like, do you think college kids are going to know how? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a different world for them. It's something that they haven't experienced. Uh, and that, like, the, the, the good thing for Penn State is they can take what happens against Purdue – and use it again next week, yeah. right, when they play yeah. Indiana. Because that is another team that has a high-end big, right? Trace yeah. Jackson Davis. Now he's very different, right? Mm-hmm. Trace is six foot nine. He is not seven foot four. And he's also an amazing athlete. I covered Trace when he was in high school, uh, you know, out in Indianapolis, and I covered him his uh, you know, his his final high school season right before he got to Indiana. And he's an genuinely an unbelievable athlete at that size, and he's only getting bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure sure Shrewsbury's plan will be what everyone's plan is against Trace Jackson Davis. It's take away his left hand and make him go to his right, because that's generally what teams do. Too. But this is an Indiana team that is that is athletic. They can run in transition, but they kind of can't shoot. And boy, if there's a team that you want to be able to uh, shoot against, it's Penn State because you're going to have to keep right. up. And so this, to me, is one of those games where I think it's going to get uh, heralded as um, you know maybe bigger than than or a, 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 an easier game for Indiana than than it's going to be because like Indiana's you know highly touted right now. They're you know they're they're getting more steam you know narrative wise. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is like a matchup nightmare for the Hoosiers. This is the kind of game that Penn State could come in. It's at home at the Bryce Jordan Center. They come in and blow them out of the water, right? You get hot from the start. It's like 30 to 13, and suddenly Indiana doesn't have the shooting to keep up. Now, they're athletic and going to run, but Penn State is solid. They don't let you run in transition against them. They don't turn the ball over to give you those chances. Like Of all the teams of the Big Ten, if I were Penn State, and let's say we're talking about you know uh, championship Sunday, and, and you know it's all on the line. Uh, <laughs> they can pick any Big Ten team they want to go into the NCAA tournament. I'm picking Indiana because to me that's like the the lack of shooting is just like glaring at this point. See, you're different than me because you know who I'm picking. <laughs> uh, I'm picking to get Iowa, Illinois, the two teams I've already beat. But I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. True, 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 true. <laughs> I'm with you. Though. Uh, but yeah, the Indiana team, man, like you said, they're a team full of athletes, and, and like you said, they are trending upward right now and I think that's something that you know they got a couple games hopefully they get knocked off and they start heading back down or even they start feeling themselves but I do believe like you said you get past Purdue um however it may it might go you know what I mean but I think you have another big test in Indiana that you have to really come out and be ready for you know what I mean I, obviously I'm I'm call I'm one I'm wanting to win against Purdue and make that a huge game and then just continue to ride that wave all the way up and into the next one but if you know if we Chips don't fall the way we want them to fall. We have to be able to bounce back right away and, and get ready for, like you said, another big test. Because if you win that game against Indiana, you still you still in a good position. You know, I think what does that they put you three and three in a Big Ten? You still, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, how we said earlier and earlier in the month that hey, fifty um, fifty in a Big Ten is is an NCAA tournament team. And, and you know, I know we th- I'm looking farther down the, down the road, but at the end of the day, you want to stay five hundred, stay fifty fifty throughout the, um, your wins and losses, if not if not uh, greater, to be able to make yourself eligible for a tournament, tournament would be it. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, this is uh, the, the weird thing, and, and this is something we can, we can talk about here in a little bit, but because 
Sunday's game's at the Palestra. It's a home game for Penn State. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where we talk about going 10-10. to 10, They're probably going to have to steal one on the road, right, at yeah. some point to make up for what could be a loss. Now, there are winnable games on the road. They've already beaten Illinois like they have and to make up for the Michigan State loss and everything. So they're they're in a good place with that. But I do think that is something that we, you know, worth monitoring down the line. If they drop this game, it's like, you know, the merits of doing this. But but I want to talk sort of about the, the, the word on campus here and how people are talking about this game and what it looks like and why they're doing this Palestra matchup, right? Because it's something we've seen more and more in recent years. You played there when Penn State played Penn, right? Penn's home mm-hmm. arena, the Plestra. Uh, this is, I think it's one of the coolest things they do, mostly because I get to go, right? Like, the Plestra's <laughs> great. Like, the Plestra's one of my favorite places to go. A few years ago, they played Iowa, and I think it was like 180 degrees in there. Uh, and everyone, including the floor, was covered in sweat, like reporters, fans, everyone. They had the <laughs> giant fans in the corners that they were blowing them. Uh, like, they were doing whatever they could to dry the entire arena out. But it's like, it's like the cathedral of college basketball, right? That place is amazing. I love going there. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places. They do it basically to get into Philly, right? It helps with recruiting mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, it, it helps with, you know, sort of uh, getting those inroads and, and giving yourself more of a presence in Philadelphia because there's a lot of competition and recruiting there. But I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint, was it also 450 degrees when you played in the Palestra? Because I swear to God, that was the hottest building I've ever been in my entire life. When we played, you know, obviously it was... 10 to 12 years ago and keep throwing that out there but it wasn't true, that hot true, but true. i do remember that you know when the sun was going down because it was an early game that you know they had the glass up top so if you shot the ball in one of the corners like the sun was literally beaming in your eyes you know as it was going down but <laughs> i think the biggest thing about this is it's something i you know, i think that chambers started you know really trying to get huge around the recruiting in philly and around the area getting you know getting guys from philadelphia up to penn state is that obviously the Palestra has so much culture from the coaches, from the games that have been playing there, just in general about Philadelphia basketball. The Palestra is one of the, you know, obviously one of the top places to play at as far as, you know, the culture and just what you know about growing up in Philadelphia from what I've heard. And to be able to have a game there against a top two, top three team in the country, the buzz is around. Everybody knows it. And at the end of the day, it helps as well from recruiting, like you mentioned, to be able to have this game, especially in Philly. I'm sure there'll be a lot of recruits just sitting there and they're watching and say, hey, let's go to Palestra for the game tonight to be able to see necessarily Penn State basketball against, you know, a top team. It's just going to bring so much energy to everybody around, you know what I mean? Because now that the fans that you want to drive up to three and a half hours to Penn State, that that would decide, ah, oh, maybe not. It's supposed to snow. You never know. You know, I'm not sure the weather, but I, you know, I, I know that fans have decided that, man. We we want to see Penn State Purdue, but do we really want to drive the three and a half hours and three and a half hours back? You know, you know, never knows what happened. And I've made that drive. That drive is not an easy drive. You know, you're going around mountains and everything. It's not the easiest. So I think that now that just gives that a possibility of people that are in Philadelphia, you know, that are close around everywhere, even Delaware, you know, guys are just going to come down and just be right there. And I, and I expect that arena to be sold out to be able to see Penn State versus one of the top teams in the country. And as I keep mentioning, man, I, I, these guys are going to show up. These players, man, we got a, the veteran players that we've had that have been in college for a while, man. These guys got to show up. Big game, man. I used to love it. Like, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now because I, I used to love it, man. We would go to places. We would play, play Michigan State, all these guys. When they were top five, top 25, I was so hyped to play. I was like, man, I mean, because it's it's a win-win for you. It's a win-win for, and you win-win for you. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you go out there, you you beat them, one of the top teams in the country. You play well. 
you're a big man on campus. Everything is love, man. You get to go back. Everybody's going to class the next day, no matter if it's, class is out. You know what I mean? Everybody's excited. Everybody's cheering for you. You got the fans are back at the airport when you come back, man. It, it's an amazing experience. And then, and, you know, let's say you do fall short. But at the end of the day, you see where you are as a, you see where you are as a team. And that's, and that's where you see what you have to do. You see what it is to become one of those teams. And, and, and I think you have to use that. You know what I mean? You can't, they, you guys can't go in there with any fear. You go out there and just play the game and just, and just have fun with it. And at the end of the day, you come out victorious in both ways because you understand where you are, where you need to be. And at the end of the day, you see where, you know, I mean, you come out there with a win. You get to celebrate, make that drive back up to Penn State, listen to the music, watch movies. I don't know, whatever you decide to do on the way back up to State College. Yeah, you you mentioned the the snow on the ground, by the way. It Mm -hmm. just reminded me that Iowa game. It was 150 degrees in the building, and it was also like negative 12 outside, which made it 100 <laughs> times worse. The, yeah. There was snow on the ground. Everything was icy. The drive was miserable. Like you said, you've made that mm-hmm. drive before. And like, so I've got like this massive jacket on. I've got a beanie on and everything. And I walk in the arena, and it's like I'm in a sauna immediately. Like mm-hmm. I'm disrobing as quickly as I can, trying to get everything off so I can try and not sweat to death there. It was, but again, would do it 100 times over. I love yeah. that arena so much. It's so great. The one thing I do think is interesting that works against Penn State is and people will be able to tell from my hat i'm a philly sports fan the eagles play at 425 on mm. sunday and i think it's a i'm fairly certain it's a home game so it's literally the worst time possible that being said people will fill that arena right because it's the mm. palestra people i guarantee you people will fill that arena it's going to be an awesome atmosphere i'm excited to cover it like I, I i love seeing stuff like that sort of as the the unbiased observer you just get to go to a place like that we've all got our bucket list stuff mm-hmm. like i got to cover the rose bowl like you oh, know awesome. three days ago whatever it was and six days after that i get to go to the palestra you know what i mean like it's it's one of those weeks where yes i'm jet lagged i'm tired but i'm also very much enjoying myself so no one should feel too bad for me i'm mm-hmm. having a good time i promise uh but the the you nailed it though with this is a litmus test to me this is you yeah. find out exactly where you're at no matter what happens on sunday you know as a program exactly where you're at and i think mm-hmm. that is that is incredibly important in a season like this where you could make the ncaa tournament yeah uh, but i think that is a good place to call it quits for today this is you know a, a big game i'm excited to cover it i'm sure you're excited to watch it uh you know this is going to be an important one for penn state but you can follow me on Twitter at, at John Sauber. You can follow Tim on uh, Twitter at, at TimPhrase23. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex Big Ten players, media, and insiders. Our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.